Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Luke 22 says this, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, named, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered amongst the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray Jesus to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And so they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house, which he enters. And then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there, make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him and they said to them, with ferv- and, and he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table and truly the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who was to do this thing. And now there was also a dispute among them as to which should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and that when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? And so they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. 
And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was as, and it says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. And so they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when he and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude and him who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? And when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness." Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat amongst them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. They're talking about Jesus. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him saying, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes came together and led him into their council saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the son of man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And then they all said, are you then the son of God? So he said to them, you rightly say that I am. And they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. And that's a long chapter, but it gives a lot of context to what was going on in those moments. A pressured time on so many fronts. Again, I'm not trying to draw too much of a parallel between 
that moment and our suffering or our pressure right now, your pressure, uh, obviously that is infinitely uh, more distressing and grotesque than anything we would ever face to the point where he's sweating drops of blood. However, the commonality is pressure on every side. It's a spiritual moment. Jesus said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's, uh, there's the practical. There's the go and, and get the Airbnb ready. Uh, you know what I mean? He's saying there's a, there's a room ready where we will eat this meal. And then someone prepares the meal. And then during that practical exchange, which who knows, food tends to transcend so many elements. It's not just physical. There's uh, like, uh, there's a, I guess there's a fellowship in it. There's a meaning. Uh, of, of the, the one who prepared it, what they want that to happen into the lives of others. And when Jesus said that, uh, you know, with desire, I've desired to eat this and saying that this, eat this together, this is my body broken for you. And then at the end saying, you know, this, is, this, this, this cup is my, the, the cup of the blood of my covenant, which I shed for you. And so there's that. And then immediately after that, the boys start fighting about who's the greatest. It gets so practical. Maybe that's what your household is feeling like right now. You're trying to think of future and planning and uh, maybe job situations or incomes. It's all kind of, you know, gone awry. And you're thinking about these kind of things. You're trying to get spiritual and have a prayer moment. Then the next thing, some kid or maybe both two of your kids are coming and fighting and, you know, wanting, uh, you know, drinking tomato sauce or doing something really crazy. And you're thinking, this does not feel right. It feels pressured. It feels challenged. And, uh, you know, you're trying to live right and trying to lead your own life and be a blessing to others. And you just feel like, man, it's just like a washing machine. Everything is going on all at the same time and crashing in on each other. Is that how it feels? <laughs> well, Jesus knows exactly how that feels times a hundred, times a thousand. He's trying to literally walk into the moments of dying, laying his life down for humanity, for the redemption of mankind. And then, then literally the disciples are fighting, they're tired, they're yawning, they're eating. And then the one that's like, man, I'm with you forever. He's like, no, nah, you won't even last the night. And then he does, he's, he's hanging out with a few other, other people. And then next thing he's like, man, I don't know. I don't know Jesus. No, I'm not with him. All in the space of several hours. Does that feel maybe a little bit like your day sometimes? Does that feel a little bit maybe like what you're trying to consider, trying to resolve things perhaps in, in society or in the community, or you hear things on the news and you think, how can this be? I'm trying to get food on my table. And yet they're, they're, then they're, you know, I'm just trying to get enough to pay <laughs> the rent, uh, trying to pay the mortgage. And then, then they, they go, they just send out another $130 billion. Where, if it's that easy, then how come it's this hard for me? And there's a lot of pressures going on right now. And that's why I think it's so important that we still our heart, that the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, let that shine. That it's a time to actually get spiritual. It's not a time to just be practical. Now, you can communicate spiritual things through practical acts. Right now, you know, some of the kids, their friends and vice versa, they'll make a little card for someone or Eliza made some brownies for someone else and, uh, you know, delivered them at a distance. And, it, you know, but it's, uh, it's an interesting time where there's not just a, a brownie. It's not just a handwritten card. There's, there's heart in what we do. And I think that's what our lives represent. 
is uh, it, we've got these ideals, but we then inculcate these, our ideals and our beliefs and, and, and spirit and love and power and hope into practical things. And then we can send them out to other people. And sometimes maybe if we've let in with the message of Jesus in, in other times, people are like, I don't need that. But right now, things like hope are a real tangible and visible commodity. It's something that people are becoming aware of that maybe they thought they didn't need. That's why I like a lot of the terms that us as believers, we talk and espouse in, in the gatherings, you know, in our beliefs and in our gatherings and in our songs. Things like hope, things like love and faith. And right now to have faith, a faith in your heart, not just a, an empty confidence, but something where you, your confidence is in God, that it's not in this world system. You know, Jesus warned us that in this world that you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, uh, you know, let not your heart be troubled. That things may happen, but, and, and that's, we understand that that can cause pain and it can cause discomfort, but that's not where our hope needs to be found on. And so as we walk into this weekend, where believers all around the globe are considering Jesus' sacrifice, which he walked out in that Passover weekend, shall we call it, that Passover meal, which again was a, a, a humbling of a life under almighty God, that maybe may we do that this weekend to say, it's not just the, the, the start of school holidays. <laughs> it's not just term one, we've got to call it something. Let's call it, you know, this Easter holidays or something like that. No. And uh, look, I'm not anti-chocolate. I think it's brilliant. In fact, you know, the chocolate therapy is probably needed more than ever right now and, uh, at this time. And you need an emergency ration in case they shut down supply. So for sure. But this time is one where we go, you know what? I may have been distracted. I think it's a time to be even more honest with God to spend more time in prayer, maybe getting up earlier or staying up later, not just to watch Netflix or something like that, but actually connect with God and connect with nature. Maybe get up earlier. And I find if I get up early and spend time with God, maybe quiet. It's not just prayer ranting, but maybe just saying, okay, Lord, what's your take on all this? What, sh what should be my heart response? That something anchors in my day. And I think maybe it's time that we say, look, there is it. It's a time right now where there could be less distractions. And sometimes I've got up early and looked around and gone, wow, nature and God's kingdom is still intact. Now, there's some other layers that are, you know, are very much affected. <laughs> Financial layers of the world system. The layers of media, the layers of maybe the talk that is happening. But if you can get quiet enough and just get some time with God, you realize there are other layers that are unshaken. And that is God's love for you, his eternal kingdom, uh, perhaps his plan, and also his desire to see you walk closely with him. And so let's uh, understand we need to respond to, what's the, to things that are, are happening uh, at, right now. But at the same time, we also need to respond to God in a stronger way and live our lives how we've been saying that we value them, which is honoring God, obeying the king. <laughs> I'm not saying doing something dumb, not saying doing something crazy, uh, you know, and ranting. I'm saying, you know, giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's and giving unto God's what is God's. And, uh, you know, we've maybe thought of that in different ways. But to me, there's the Caesar, the governmental system is 
you know, it's like, yeah, cool. You want me to do that or take a walk at a distance? That's fine. But I think we've been giving unto Caesar maybe what is God's, which is the, the whole entirety of our heart and our attention. And I think it's time to be giving that back to God and saying that there's, yeah, there's some parts that are like, okay, okay, Caesar, okay, government, okay, this, there's a, there's a guideline, all right, I won't do that. I'll only buy two packets of pasta. That's fine. God meets my needs. <laughs> but what we really got to do is give our adoration, not to this world system, not to the government, to give it to God. And I tell you what, when I do that and when you do that and when we, when we walk together in that, there is a confidence that happens, a surety, a peace, a hope that rises in our heart that this world cannot offer us. And so on this Good Friday, where Jesus laid down his life, that we remember that, an actual sacrifice, a real sacrifice, everything he had worked for. And perhaps right now you might be thinking that there is a finality to, depending in the age that you're living in and the risk and, or even your your industry, your business, maybe you're like, I've worked at this business for 20 years and I've been establishing it. We became a leader in this industry and the whole industry is gone within two weeks. And you don't know how long this is going to last. And there's a lot shaking right now. But it's a time that when, rather than trying to solve what is beyond your control is to grab and, and, and lead what you can, which is, that is within your control, which is your own spirit, perhaps your time and your words and your heart. And if that's all you've got, maybe all the other stuff's been stripped away and you're like, God, I didn't even have anything to give to you except a heart attitude and some words. Well, that, he'll take that and he'll rush into your life and you watch how God provides and leads and comforts and guides during this time. I want to pray for you this morning. And that Luke 22, when you're having a bad day, read that and it just resets your priorities. Because what I've found in walking through these last few days is my mind starts to say we should be concerned about some things, but then I look at the fruit of the last few days and I think, well, I'm, my eyes are more squarely fixed on God. I'm trusting Him. I'm actively pursuing Him. I'm genuinely, my, my, my compassion for my family has been activated. My, the time that I'm having with my family is more and I'm looking around and there are things falling and crumbling, but there's some other real great things that are being enriched in my life right now and in yours. And there's opportunity for that. So let's just carry the things in context that we need to today. And I want to pray for you and pray for us together today. Wherever you are in your lounge room or uh, somewhere else on your computer or on your phone, or however this, this time, this connection comes to you today, if you, as long as you're not driving or operating heavy machinery, let's close our eyes and pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that, God, you didn't, you didn't just stay in comfort and send some empty hope, but Lord, you sent your only son, your only begotten son that died for us, that whoever should believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He held nothing back, poured out his body. He poured out his blood, shed his blood and broke his body, Lord God, to take on himself the sins of mankind. And Lord, so that to break the power of sin and death. And so Lord, our response today is to consider that and to remember that as Jesus encouraged us to do. His body 
broken for us, his blood in the new covenant. And God, I thank you that that covenant commitment between you and Jesus that we partake in. And God, I thank you that you care for your people, you intervene for your people. Uh, Lord, you heal and redeem and comfort and guide and provide for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.